Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits, episode 151. And I'm so delighted that you are with us. I pray these are a blessing to you and that you are reading the Word of God as well each and every day. Today I want to continue in the book of Jude, and we're only going to cover one verse today, and that is verse 11. We've been looking at Jude now for several episodes, and we see Jude's serious warnings to us against those deceivers, those false people who creep in unnoticed and seek to exchange God's wonderful, enabling, powerful grace that is true and helps us to obey His Word and to please Him. And they seek to exchange that for some anything-goes lifestyle, you can live how you want to and you still you're okay kind of deal. Hyper-grace, we might call it. And Jude is a warning against those kinds of people. And we've covered this in a good bit of detail through verse 10. Today I want to look at verse 11. Jude clearly says this, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. So let's look at this because it's very serious and we need to see that we must be careful and be separate from deceivers and deception. Jude declares a serious word to these that he's warned us about. He's already warned us about them in verse 3 through 10. We've covered quite a bit of that. So now he delivers a very serious word to those people. He says, woe. In other words, alas or woe, it's an exclamation of grief and an exclamation of calamity. In other words, they are in serious, big, big trouble. Calamity, doom, and judgment is what is ahead for these people. Now, why is that? Well, it's because God is just, and He, in His justice, will make all things right. He is also very careful and very particular in His teaching about those who have influence over others, those who promote something and lead people astray, that is not of God. Let's look at one place that brings that out. Jesus warns very seriously about this. Let's read in Matthew chapter 18, verses 6 and 7. Jesus says this. He's been talking about little children coming into the kingdom like a little child, receiving him and receiving the little children. And he says this in verse 6. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck 
and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man or that person by whom the offense comes. Jesus makes very clear here. He is warning against leading anyone astray, any individual person. It matters, and it is a very serious thing to God. How we lead other people through our influences, through our words, our lifestyle, our example, our role model, through our teachings, how we lead somebody and where we lead them. Are we leading people to Jesus or are we leading them astray? Are we leading them to the truth of the word of the living God or are we leading them somewhere else? Are we leading them to doctrine that is sound and right and righteous or are we leading them to their own experiences and whatever you want to think and however you want to live? This is what Jesus is talking about here. It is extremely important where and how we lead others. And friend, trust me, even if you're not in a position of leadership anywhere in the church or in any ministry, even if you don't count yourself a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher or whatever, you have influence over somebody. Your children, your grandchildren, co-workers, Somebody is watching you. Somebody is listening to you. Somebody is patterning their life after your example and after what you are saying. It matters. It matters how you live. It matters how you influence others. It matters where you are carrying them because you do not want to lead them astray and do not allow yourself to be led astray either. So Jude is decreeing this warning to them, and then he gives three other examples about these same kind of deceivers in these examples, really focusing on the fate that awaited these people in these examples, that what happened to them. And so he says they've gone in the way of Cain. Well, to find out the story of Cain and what he means there, we have to go back to Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, I'm just going to read the first several verses that you find the story of Cain. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Let me stop here just for a minute to make a quick comment. It wasn't as much the offering that each brought because either could be brought 
to the Lord. And we see that later in the Torah. There are first fruit offerings that were to be brought of the fruit, of the grain, etc. There were offerings of the, the meal offering, etc., and the peace offering, and so forth. So there, it wasn't so much the offering. It was the heart. It was the, the willingness to accept God's prescribed order, God's prescribed manner, and the heart being turned toward the Lord. That's why God respected Abel versus not respecting Cain. He gets at the heart of it, we learn later in Samuel, where Samuel writes for us that God looks at the heart. He does not look at outward appearances and other things. God cares about what's in our heart. So we see this brought out in Cain's response. Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. This is true with anything and any one of us. Sin's always ready. The devil is always right there to, to pounce on us and to grab us and pull us into sin when we do not do what is right before the Lord and have a right heart attitude toward him. So God here is warning Cain before Cain killed Abel. Notice this, he's warning him here. If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. In other words, its desire is to master over you to bring you into bondage, to enslave you, but you should rule over it. So God gives him clear warning here. Notice the next verse, verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he, meaning God, said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And we know that's true because later on in, I believe it's in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews refers to this very thing, the blood of Abel crying out. Verse 11, so now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. So this is the error and the way of Cain. He refused God's prescribed way. He didn't have a heart that honored God. He allowed himself to become self-deceived, thinking he could please God even when his heart wasn't right with God. And he allowed jealousy, hatred, and murder to become the result of that. And so God dealt severely with Cain and gave him a serious judgment, a woe, a calamity. Balaam is the second example that 
Jude uses about the greed of Balaam. To understand Balaam, you have to read Numbers chapter 22 through 24, and that's where you read the story of Balaam. But it was all consumed with Balaam had a greed and a profit motive. He was willing to cause others to sin so that he could make a profit on it. So he's another one that Jesus talked about. It would have been better if a millstone, because he led people astray. Even though God wouldn't allow him to curse them, he still weaved in a way that got them to sin. All for greed and money. And he perished. Later on, we find out that he perished. He was killed. Then we come to Korah. To understand Korah, we have to look at Numbers chapter 16. And the whole story is found in chapter 1, I mean in verse 1 through verse 40 of Numbers 16. I'm only going to read a small portion of that. But what happened is Korah was a son of Levi, but he was not a son of Aaron. He was of the Kohathites. And you can learn more about the Kohathites and what their jobs were and their responsibilities in earlier chapters of Numbers, in chapter 2, 3, 4, etc. So God had called the Kohathites, and they were part of the Levites, and they were called and set apart from the other tribes of Israel to serve in the house of the Lord and to serve the Lord and honor him. So Korah was among the Levites, but he wasn't satisfied with that. He took it upon himself to think, that he was as good as Aaron and Aaron's sons, and why can't I be a priest also? And so he led a rebellion, 250 people. He led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And I want to pick up the reading here in verse 23, because the Lord gets angry about how this is transpiring and what's happening. Verse 23, so the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the congregation saying, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. You'll see that these are the other two leaders in this rebellion. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation saying, depart from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them, 
and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with all their households and all the men with Korah with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them, and they perished from among the assembly. So that's what happened. That was the doom and the fate of those who perished in the rebellion of Korah that Jude is mentioning here. Their result of daring to reject God's authority and be presumptuous brought them to literal hell. It brought them to perish before the Lord. They thought of themselves more highly than they should. They wouldn't appreciate God's calling upon them. They wouldn't stay in their lane. If you read earlier in that chapter, you will read one of the things that Moses told them. He says, is it not enough that God has chosen you among all of the other tribes to serve him and to be close to him in the service of his tabernacle? Is that not good enough for you? You want to take the priesthood also? In other words, in our day, we might say, you're not willing to serve as a teacher in your church. You also want to be the pastor, the one in charge. You're trying to take over that too. I mean, that's the kind of thing that's going on here. They're coming against the leadership and not willing to accept God's calling on their life, not appreciating what God called them to. And they perished in this rebellion. And so Jude is warning about this. And his point is that these three examples had these fate of doom and calamity upon them. And the same type of doom and calamity and judgment is coming to those who are doing this evil work. These men that have crept in unnoticed and that are trying to exchange God's grace that is precious and beautiful for something that it is not, something that is abominable and totally contrary to what God teaches in his word and contrary to the character of God himself and the character of Jesus Christ, who we are being made into the image of. So the warning to us is the same as he's already given us in verse 3. And I want to, and I want to leave us with this, these final verses, these final thoughts, because Moses makes something, makes a statement here from the Lord. As a matter of fact, it's God saying this, and this is still applicable to us today in a different way than what it was then. But the, the premise of it is still applicable, and I'll prove it to you from the New Testament. In Numbers here, in Numbers 16, Verse 25 and 26, it says this, Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. God is telling us today, Don't have anything to do with these deceivers. Stay away from deceivers. Be separate from among all that they are teaching you, all that they are doing. Don't follow their lifestyle. Don't listen to their words. Mark them and stay away from them and have nothing to do with them. 
It's the same thing that Moses was telling the congregation here. If we turn over in the New Testament, we read Paul writing about something very similar, and he actually quotes from the Old Testament as a part of what he's teaching here. But I want to pick up the reading in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 6, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7 continues on. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Same thing that Jude is telling us and warning us about. We've got to come out and be separate unto the Lord and do not follow these evil, these people that have crept in with their evil delusions and their deceptions. Guard against those. Be separate from them. Have nothing to do with them. Watch out for deception. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Two Bits. God bless you in Jesus' name.